Olas Media. Olas Media presents Cannabis Enlightened. Now here's your host, Dr. Leroy Brady. Hello, everybody, and welcome again to another episode of Cannabis Enlightened. I am your host, Dr. Brady, and today we have a very interesting guest with us today. I met Michael at a conference here in San Diego over in Coronado um, at the Lowe's Hotel, and um, we had been catching each other's eye during the conference uh, for at least a day or two uh, with the knowledge that, you know, I, I need to talk to that person. They probably got something to share that I need to know. And lo and behold, once we were able to connect, we found out that we had a lot in common and a lot to share with each other. So I asked Michael if he would um, honor me with um, a podcast and he agreed to it. So I have Michael uh, with me today. And Michael, I'd like you to start off by introducing yourself so that the listening audience knows who you are and a little bit about um, what you're all about. Absolutely. Uh, first and foremost, thank you so much, Dr. Brady, for inviting me onto your platform, uh, Cannabis Enlightened. I hope that I may also leave here enlightened as well, uh, even, oh, I'm a guest, but I'm honored to be here and I'm, I'm thankful. Um, to the listeners, my name is Michael Lawson Jr. I am the founder and CEO of Cannabis Media Collective, which is a cannabis education platform where we are transcending the current cannabis narrative. And we're going to bring an academic and intellectual spin to cannabis and educate the consumers on the science and data behind cannabis wellness. Um, that's what I'm doing now, but there was a tremendous journey that, that I've embarked on that uh, has brought me to this place. And uh, I'm happy to get into it uh, with you, Dr. Brady. Thank you uh, for being so gracious with your time today. I understand you're coming to us from another state. Um, yes, you're, in, you're in Georgia? Yes, indeed. I'm in Atlanta, Georgia. I'm hailing from Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, I'm a graduate of Morehouse College, 2005. Uh, I arrived here in 2001 via Los Angeles. Uh, I'm a Los Angeles native. Uh, I like to call myself a child of the movement. Uh, I was 13 years old when Proposition 215 passed. Um, and so I've seen this evolution of the cannabis plant um, as a consumer and just in commerce, in, in the market in general. Um, and I came to Atlanta uh, to attend Morehouse and fell in love with the city and got married, started a family. We actually had my kids back in LA. That's a whole different story. But uh, I spent the majority of my adult life here in Atlanta. Um, and it's been a tremendous journey even watching the cannabis culture um, evolve from 2001 to 2022. Uh, it's just, it's just amazing. Um, but along the way, uh, I got my master's in clinical mental health counseling, uh, with a focus in school counseling. Um, and so I spent some time working in the school system. Um, but I was disappointed that there's not much counseling is actually happening in the schools. It's more administrative, uh, attendance type of duties. Uh, and so I transitioned into community counseling and worked uh, as an MST therapist, which was multi-systemic therapy, uh, working with youth and juvenile justice in uh, DeKalb County Juvenile Court, um, and had some tremendous experiences there, 
dealing with young people uh, on probation, um, using the cannabis plant to medicate and cope with trauma, but putting themselves at risk for uh, prison time, you know, for a probation violation. And so um, the, the need for cannabis education um, in, in all sectors of education, uh, healthcare, uh, criminal justice is, is tremendous. And so uh, I'm more than passionate about that. I feel like I've been called uh, to this mission and, and, and that's what I do. That's an interesting statement you made that you, you feel like it's a calling. Uh, generally, I hear that when people are going into uh, the ministry or something. Um, <laughs> right. So that, that's very fascinating. Uh, can you talk a little bit about your journey um, into this space? Absolutely. You know, I think um, since we have the time, I'll start from the beginning. You know, I think my, my first introduction to this plant was in ninth grade, um, just using it recreationally with some friends. Uh, wasn't really blown away by the effects. Um, I was an athlete at the time. So uh, in high school, I really didn't use cannabis on a regular basis or, or even really recreationally. I used it here and there with friends. But um, even though it was around all the time and everywhere we went as just youth growing up in Southern California, uh, I didn't really get into it um, until I got to college. And, uh, but, but let me, let me back up. Sure. So 1996, 1996, uh, I was on a field trip, uh, school field trip from uh, Escuela de Montessori was the name of the school and on that field trip unfortunately uh friends of mine and and, and me included we witnessed a shooting oh and and uh and i'm sorry this wasn't 96 this is 93 because i remember i was 10 years old so at 10 years old you know witnessing a murder has a tremendous impact on the mind of a 10 year old boy absolutely you know, I, I wouldn't really begin to understand this until I was actually studying for my master's fast forward in 2011 and began to understand that uh, over the course of my youth and in particularly when I was in college and even then uh, I was struggling with symptoms of post-traumatic stress, uh, insomnia, you know, sleep disturbances. And so um, when I began to understand this, I also began to understand uh, why cannabis was such an influence in my life uh, later in my college years. So I, I tell that story just to give some background to say that for a long period of time, um, I was medicating in my college years, dealing with trauma that had never been addressed. Uh -huh. And it was- Very good. Right. And it was my college years. I'll never forget in 2002, I was headed to the library and um, I had a little bit of a joint left from earlier. And so I smoked it. And at that time, little did I know I was microdosing cannabis. And so as I microdosed this cannabis before I went into the library, this particular night, I noticed I was super focused. I was in there for about four hours, but it felt like it was two hours got so much work done. And I was thinking to myself, you know, what's different from 
last night and tonight. And I was like, wow, it was, it was that, it was the weed I smoked. But I said, I only smoked a little bit. And it was that moment that I realized, okay, I can use this plant by microdosing to help me focus and get things accomplished, you know, in my daily life or any particular objective. And so it was, I say, I tell that story to basically say that it was my college years where my academic and intellectual interest in the plant really began when I really started to understand that um, this is way more than recreational. Um, this is a plant that can heal the mind and the body. Um, and by the time I started my master's degree, I also discovered that the plant is tremendously misunderstood in the mental health field. Uh, anybody studying mental health in the past couple of years knows that when you study the literature, it's basically telling you um, stay away from the plant. It'll immediately cause psychosis. It's bad for us. Leave it alone. Uh, matter of fact, it needs to stay criminalized. And so that's the rhetoric in the mental health space. And I knew that was that was wrong, um, but I didn't know what to do about it. Right. And so this is circa 2011, 2013 where now my mind is starting to understand this plant uh, in a whole different dimension. And then fast forward to 2016, I had major sinus surgery. And these are kind of landmarks in my life in my cannabis journey. Sure. And so 2016, I had this major three major operations. My anesthesiologist leans over and literally whispers in my ear. He says, have you ever heard of CBD? Um, I think you're really going to want to try to get a hold of some because it's going to help with your inflammation and your recovery. And, and you know, just try to look into that. Whispers this in my ear. Now, at the time, I'm very familiar with CBD. I had never used it um, for pain or, or anything in particular, but I was, I was aware of it. I knew about it, um, but I didn't know how to get any of it. And so um, I go through this operation. The next day, I'm in terrible shape. I am just completely beat up. Um, I reach out to this gentleman and he's a ghost. I can't find him. Call his office, email, all, all mean, means of communication are coming up empty. Uh, I actually went to his office trying to catch up and couldn't find him. Long story short, I had a mentor, Dr. Uma Donabalan in Boston, and she connected me with someone who got me some CBD and was able to instruct me on how to dose it, on how to use it, when to use it, how to use it, et cetera. And my recovery, according to my doctors, was phenomenal. Um, of course, I don't have a baseline to compare it to, but the point of the story is this gentleman gave me some tremendously valuable information that was critical to my healing process. And who's to know, I, might, I, I would have had a decent recovery without the CBD, but this gentleman gave me some tremendously valuable information that I could do nothing with, right? He, he told me what I needed, but I, I couldn't find out where to get it, couldn't find out how to use it and so on and so forth. And it was that moment that I realized, you know, not only do we need, and I've had this experience in the criminal justice system as a therapist. Um, I've, I've uh, been in the community watching people heal themselves with cannabis for almost 20 years. And now I'm a patient recovering from a serious operation and I'm in the dark on what to do. And I realized then that the, the, my lane and, and, and my passion and my purpose is really to educate people on how to use this plant 
um, to improve their quality of life, you know, and, and, and I'm, I'm the type of person where I, I use cannabis, uh, but I'm not the one to force it on anybody else or any of your listeners, right? I'm a big proponent of uh, people having the information and the data so that they can make their own informed decision on what to do. As you tell the story, you are mentally and almost physically reliving um, exactly what happened during that time. And, and that's, that's amazing. Um, I, I want to go back to uh, the incident, the, the shooting that you witnessed when you were, I think you said 10 years old. Um, right. it, it appears because there was PTSD that you didn't fully work through that or someone didn't help you to work through it. It, it was just a thing that happened and you were supposed to move on. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, it's actually remarkable when I think about it, because um, I think about it often. Um, you, usually only a day or two will go by where I might not think about it. But and just to give some background to the listeners, you know, where 20 kids showed up at this park, Westchester Park. I think it's the park that's furthest west in Los Angeles County. It might be one of the last parks before you get to the beach. So we're not talking about a poor community or in the inner city. We're in the city of LA, but we're in uh, Westchester moving towards the beach, right? And so this is a good neighborhood. We were on this field trip line. Um, Westchester High School was down the street. Uh, as we approached uh, the uh, playground, we were kind of on a hill. And long story short, it looked like a fight was gonna break out. So naturally I'm very observant. I'm kind of nosy, I'm paying attention. And it wasn't a fight. A guy just pulled out a gun, pointed at the other guy and shot him in the head. And then everybody ran. Wow. And, Right. And so I'm 10 years old. I'm processing this. But what was interesting to me as an adult, not interesting, but unfortunate as an adult looking back is, you know, it was a very small private school that we were on this field trip. So it wasn't like a public school type of huge gathering type of environment. It might have been 20, 15, 20 kids. Um, but when everyone, we all scattered because uh, we all came there in our personal vehicles. So we all scattered, got in the cars, went back to the school. But no one ever mentioned this to the parents, right? You're kidding. I guess teachers maybe assumed that nobody saw it or, you know, they maybe they weren't paying attention or anything. But the the narrative never made it back home. So my parents never asked me about it. Wow. My parents never asked me about it. I never mentioned it to them. You know, as a kid, when I'm thinking back, I kind of just remember like, well, sooner or later, they're going to ask me like, what happened at the field trip? Long story short, the first time I had a conversation with my father about this incident, um, I was 25 years old. My gosh. Are you telling me 15 years later is when you were able to first discuss it with your dad? Oh, my goodness. 15 years later. Wow. Now working as a therapist having processed this over these years, finally coming to the point where I realized like, you know, I need to, my, I need to inform my parents on this experience that I've had mm -hmm. that they are completely unaware of. And the, the even crazier part is along the way, you know, I was a kid, so I couldn't keep that bottled up. So I talked to my friends about it. Um, I would talk to, I, I remember mentioning it to a couple of adults but they didn't take me seriously. They were like, oh, you didn't see that. Oh, oh, you're just kidding. Because um, at the time, to give people some, some background, um, I'm living in Ladera Heights in Los Angeles. 
Uh, my parents are, are Harvard educated, hardworking uh, folks. So I think coming from that background, when I shared that story with a lot of people, maybe they thought it was unrealistic that I would be exposed to something of, of that sort or, or whatnot. But long story short, um, it was something that I just kind of carried with me over the years. And, and that wasn't the only you know, act of violence that I witnessed. I was just the first. Um, but it's it was definitely something that over a decade, um, I had no real understanding, really two decades of really how it impacted me on, on, a, on a subconscious level. You know, um, and so fast forward, when I got to Morehouse College, anybody that knows about Morehouse and, and Spelman, Morris, Brown, Clark, Atlanta and, and Atlanta University Center, let's just be honest, it's not it's not in the best neighborhood. Now, recently, it's been developed and the area is gentrified and it looks beautiful now. But anybody from the 90s and the early 2000s would tell you, you know, the AUC Center was surrounded by, uh, you know, inner city projects and, and just a rough neighborhood and that's being polite. So even as college students, we witnessed shootings, you know, seeing people shot and killed near campus, on campus. And so when I came to Morehouse and, and, and was exposed to that, I think it, it really set me back in, in my process of really dealing with the trauma that I experienced as a child. Fast forward to, what we're talking about in this podcast, cannabis has, I, I, would, I would be close to saying almost saved my life, giving me the ability to sleep and get a good night's rest, the ability to focus, um, you know, mood regulation. And when I started using cannabis with intention and, and with purpose, you know, my GPA never fell below 3.5. You can look at my transcript. From the moment I started using this plant, in a very intentional and purposeful way, um, I performed very well in school. Not to say that that's going to be everybody's outcome. Sure. However, um, mm -hmm. it's possible. You know, it's possible. And I, and I think, and I'm a huge proponent of that. And, you know, I think this plant is medicine that is used recreationally. You know, and I want us to get back to the, I like, the medical. I like, I like the word you use with that, um, that it's medicine because so many people think otherwise. Some, so many people think it is um, the way the federal government um, has categorized it as um, a schedule one illicit drug uh, of, of no particular benefit um, to human beings. Which we know is a lie. Yes, yes. Which we know um, is a lie. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, um, the, the PTSD that you had when you were 10, it sounds to me like it, kind of like continued um, into your, you know, your high school, into your college. And um, it kind of was packing, you know, I visualized as you told the story of packing, you know, bricks on top of bricks, on top of bricks, on top of bricks, um, and, and almost until the, the yes. point where you were almost at a breaking point here. Absolutely. Absolutely. You're absolutely right. Because, you know, more importantly, when I look back on my childhood, I don't think, you know, the trauma, when I look back on it, um, it affected my mentality more than anything else. Even, even growing up in a household with two super educated, super successful parents, witnessing that at the age of 10 shaped my mentality to, 
believe, you know, that that's going to be my outcome. One day that's going to happen to me mm-hmm. sooner or later. Right. And then growing up in Los Angeles, um, being exposed to different things, having peers and friends your age passing away, you develop this mentality. I mean, it's pretty, it's well known in our community, you know, that we, uh, some of us grow up not thinking that we're going to live past 21, 25, et cetera. And that was my mentality, mm-hmm. honestly, until I got into my counseling program and realized, wow, you know, me witnessing that shooting was a big deal and, and really framed my perspective on life for a significant period of time. And, um, it was, is powerful. And so, so yes, absolutely. I think the post-traumatic stress was just compounded um, year after year. And then, you know, you have these different milestones in your life. You know, I I remember in 2003, uh, July 6th and July 8th, July 6th, a close friend of mine, Jeff Nicholson was killed on Sunday. Then a good friend of ours, Brandon Bennett was killed two days later on Tuesday, two totally unrelated, didn't know each other situations were not related at all. But when you're dealing with that kind of, of violence. And I didn't witness those particular in instances, but just to explain how the mentality grows um, and, and it's, it's hard to escape over an extended period of time uh, is powerful. But the cannabis plant has the ability to, I'm not going to sit here and say reverse that, but definitely mitigate that. But help you right? help you to deal with Without it. This, would you would you say absolutely. that? Absolutely. Help you to deal absolutely. with it. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. The cannabis plant, um, 100%, I think, is is beyond a, a coping mechanism. I think it's a healing mechanism, right? Uh, and I think the way that it in, interacts with our endocannabinoid system, it helps balance us in a number of different ways, you know, physiologically um, and psychologically. Um, and I'm a firm believer that I think when the plant is used in the right way and it's used intentionally, um, that's what it can do. Uh, is your feeling that the therapy, getting therapy and using the cannabis was like the way that helped um, you move on from, from these experiences? You know, me in particular, uh, not necessarily because I didn't actually, I didn't actually get therapy until I was doing my master's program. Okay. So I, I had been using cannabis for, you know, many years um, be, before I was even exposed to uh, counseling and psychotherapy. But to answer your question, I do believe that uh, cannabis should be used in conjunction with psychotherapy uh, to help people achieve their objective, right? And, that, and that's all it's about at the end of the day. It's about is the client achieving whatever the sought out objective is. Mm-hmm. And I think cannabis is a tool that can, uh, play a major role in that right um when you're you're talking we're talking about basic needs here we're talking about sleep right we're talking about safety and um not that cannabis makes you safe but it's just in terms of basic needs but having a good night's sleep is essential to your daily health and just overall well-being right and so when we're talking about people dealing with trauma or any number of issues uh, chronic pain, name an issue that interrupts a person's sleep and cannabis can change their life, right? People that have uh, sleep disturbances or one or two hours of sleep or, or dealing with or dealing with that, they know how refreshing seven, eight hours of sleep is, right? And, and 
And we know this plant can change the lives of, of millions of people. And, and sleep is just one issue. The very important word that you brought up um, a few minutes ago, that is a balance, that it brought a balance right. to your life that, that you could, I would imagine, and, and you know, I don't want to put words in your mouth, that you were able to deal with life um, from an objective manner, rather than just going through life, just, you know, looking at it from, oh, man, you know, the world's coming to an end, um, you know, I'm, I'm not going to be able to amount to anything, you were more balanced that you could deal with life. Absolutely, absolutely. When you, you know, and, and I, li I like to think about it as like mood regulation, right? Mm -hmm. You know, it, even some people subjectively will report you know, uh, an indica strain will have them feel a certain way where a, a sativa dominant strain will have them feel much more upbeat and much more energized. Right. Um, and you're absolutely right. You know, I think um, I've, I've used cannabis on a number of occasions um, just to overcome pessimism, right. Uh, and, and thoughts of, of being a failure, um, negative thinking, you know, uh, the cannabis plant, we've been taught over the years that it is, it's addictive, it's harmful, um, when in fact, it's, it's, it's really the opposite, you know? Uh, and, and when you look at the data, for instance, um, every state that had an opioid problem, when medical cannabis was introduced to that state, the data clearly shows the rate of opioid overdose, the rate of opioid use, it all decreases, right? And so this plant is actually uh, an exit drug as opposed to an entrance drug as, as we've all been educated over the years that, you know, cannabis is the first drug you use before you, you do crack and coke and heroin and all these other hard drugs, quote unquote. When, as you mentioned earlier, some of these substances are, are not even schedule one substances, Yes. right? Um, but the government is sitting here telling us that, that, that this plant has no medical value when in fact, the government had the first patent on cannabis medicine. So, mm -hmm. uh, you know, this, this miseducation behind prohibition, um, has been so, has, has happened for so long and has been so vast. You know, I think that that's another reason why I think my platform is solving a major problem in the cannabis education space. You know, a lot of people, even in today's society, are still operating from this Harry Anslinger, FBN, J. Edgar Hoover paradigm, where we need to get rid of this plant and, and criminalize everyone. And those days are over. And so now we need to get educated on the science and the data and the information that can actually help us, you know, rather than hurt us. Stay with us. We'll be back with more Dr. Leroy after this quick break. You're listening to Cannabis Enlightened on the Olas Media Podcast Network. American democracy is good, but we can make it better. 
The National Association of Nonpartisan Reformers includes organizations across the country who are working right now to build a better democracy by opening primaries, implementing safe, secure voting systems, reducing corruption, and increasing transparency. Listen to our weekly podcast, How to Win Friends and Save the Republic, to hear updates from the latest movements in the democracy reform space. Subscribe and learn more about us at nonpartisanreformers.org. You're listening to Cannabis Enlightened on the Olas Media Podcast Network. Now, here's your host, Dr. Leroy Brady. I really think, Michael, your uh, story is going to be helpful to a lot of people because um, out there, there's the narrative that people that use cannabis, and they don't call it cannabis many times, they they use the M word that I don't like to use, um, are not educated. I hate that word. (laughs) <laughs> not educated. They come from a broken <laughs> family. Uh, their parents right. aren't educated. And uh, right. it's just an escape uh, leading to something more serious. But you are the exact right. opposite. Your parents were, um, I think you mentioned Harvard educated? Yes. Yes. And, my and, father went to Harvard Law School and my mother went to uh, JFK School of Government. Wow. Wow. That's magnificent. And because of, of the experiences that you went through as a young child, um, you experienced uh, PTSD. And um, even though that happened, you were able to still achieve, but you still felt that you were being held back by some of the things that you experienced when you were young. And through the, the cannabis, it sounded like you were able to move ahead and, and I think the, the example you gave a little bit ago is that you went into the library and thought it was uh, two hours and it was actually four hours. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> and, and your grades improved. Literally. Now, I, I know neither one of us are advocating that someone should uh, start taking cannabis to improve their grades, but it is well worth, as you mentioned a few minutes ago, uh, looking into the, the data, you know, um, doing some research. Um, and and uh, looking at it as something for yourself and not just, uh, I'm going to take this, this is like peanut butter, I'm going to spread it all over the bread, spread it on my life, I'm just going to take it and <laughs> right. this is going to happen. I, that's what we're not saying. We're not saying that. Um, but it right. can, it can as in your particular case, it did, it did help you to overcome some um, mental difficulties. Oh, most definitely. And, and, and that's what I think it's about. It's about focusing on using the plant in ways that uh, enhance our daily living, right? That, it, that improve our quality of life. How do we uh, deal with medical symptoms that are interrupting our daily life, right? You have people out here dealing with chronic pain every day, uh, uh, being nauseous from uh, cancer medication. So the reality is, and, and what I think we're starting to understand is, you know, our cancer patients, our, our terminally ill patients, um, epilepsy, uh, autism, post-traumatic stress, um, all of these issues are, are solvable. And, and cannabis appears to be part of that solution if we use it in the right way, right? And so like you're saying, 
my I've had it's funny you mentioned my, my grades and uh, you brought that back up because my father and I used to have that debate all the time, you know, because he would say, man, are you, are you still smoking weed? And I'm like, you know, actually, I am. And if you look at my transcript, my grades have actually improved. And, you know, I'm focusing more on the library. And, you know, he wasn't as receptive to that as I would have liked. But <laughs> the point of the story is I knew going into it, I'm going to use the plant. I'm going to use X amount of it. And I'm going to get into dosage in a second because I think that's important, right? Because we're talking about using cannabis for focus. Well, it's about using the right amount of cannabis, Right. The conversation about dosage is really common with edibles, but it's not really discussed with flour. And so I, I became a complete cannabis nerd when I was in college. You know, I got a scale and I would start weighing out, you know, how much I was smoking and, and tinkering with it and seeing how much got me where. And so I've landed, I have my own cannabis wellness routine where I know 0.4 is going to really just uplift me, you know, stimulate my mind you know, improve my mood, you know, where if I up it to 0.8, then I'm, I'm going to be very focused um, and very, very purpose driven on whatever my objective is at that moment. And then, you know, if I go all the way up to a gram, that's usually what I use for sleep. Right. And so I became very intentional um, on how I use cannabis. So you're absolutely right. We're not, I'm not advocating that somebody uses cannabis, their, their grades are going to improve. No, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is somebody can use cannabis to improve their focus. And if they focus on their grades, then, then their grades will improve, right? You know, when I smoked that cannabis, I was spending hours in the library. I wasn't hanging. I mean, I hung out, of course, it's college. But in, in, in the instance we're talking about, um, I used it for focus. And so it's all about understanding how cannabis interacts with your body, Um I think we are all experts on our own cannabis wellness because um, how the plant affects me, it, it might affect you differently. We can use the same dose at the same time in the same manner uh, and get different results. So as you mentioned, it's not something we can just spread around and, and, and hope it works for everybody. Uh, but I think upon, there is an intelligent yeah. way to approach it. Right. It depends upon your own body. I like the way you, you, uh, you ran down how you measured it out. And that's something that if you're using cannabis, you have to do that for yourself. You can't do it and say yes. to, your, to your buddy, okay, this is what you ought to do. This is how much you can do. Everybody right. is different. Absolutely. You can't rely on what your neighbor, what your partner, what your spouse, what your friend does. You can't rely on their program to work for you. It just doesn't work like that. Right. You know, um, my wife, for instance, she needs she needs like the smallest amount ever to get an effect you know I'll, I'll leave a gram around for her and three weeks from now there'll still be a little bit of that gram <laughs> left yeah. left and mm -hmm. so she knows that she needs very you know my wife knows she needs very little caffeine i mean excuse me very little cannabis and, she, and we've also discovered that with her uh, caffeine and cannabis are not a good mix Ooh. right and so uh, everybody needs to figure out what works for them. But the beauty of this plant is that as you use more or less, it's not going to harm you in any significant way. Mm -hmm. We know this from thousands and thousands of pages of research and hundreds of years going back to the Chinese, 
there has not been a cannabis overdose yet to be recorded. Mm-hmm. Not That's to true. imply or suggest that anybody use a tremendous amount of it. But the point is, um, you can experiment with small doses and still come out with a favorable outcome is what I'm saying. Good and that's, point. and that's all we're talking about. Well, excellent point. Excellent can a, point. can a human, can a human being use cannabis and get the desired outcome that they want? Mm-hmm. That's what it's all about. Yeah. Whether it's sleep, whether it's studying, whether it's being social, whether it's pain, whether it's something as serious as seizures or whether it's something like anxiety. The reality is this plant is so versatile um, and is not harmful to the point where we can experiment with it to find out how to best use it in our lives. Exactly. And I think that's one of the, the most beautiful things about the cannabis plant. Very well put. Michael, can we talk for a few minutes about your organization? Because I was fascinated um, with how you came about your organization and, and what you see for the future in it. I know you, you talked a little bit at the beginning about it, but I really think um, the listening audience um, is interested in, you know, what you're doing, what are you putting together and what does this mean to uh, cannabis uh, industry? Absolutely. You know, my, my plan is to really shake up the, the cannabis education space. You know, I see that as the next frontier in the cannabis industry. I think if you look at um, all, not all, but if you look at most aspects of the supply chain, I feel like they're a little crowded, right? When you go from cultivation, uh, from seed to sale, you know, I think a lot of people are focused on production, I mean, which we need because without cultivation, there is no industry. Um, but when I mention those milestones in my life, you know, my, my experience in college in the library, um, my experience as a therapist working with youth, um, my experience of uh, having that surgery and having nobody to turn to for advice. These events shaped my understanding that there are millions of people going through the same thing I experienced exactly. that have no resources. Mm-hmm. Um, right. And so that's how the that's kind of the genesis of of this concept in my mind but then i also realized that even you know and i was just talking about consumers um but education is needed for consumers it's needed for medical professionals we have medical professionals in this space who are not familiar with the endocannabinoid system true right so they're not even recommending cannabis to their patients as an option over uh synthetic uh, medications where you got a pill for the side effect pill for the side effect pill. So um, as I began to grow in this space, I began to understand, okay, as a consumer, we need to be educated. Um, as a medical professional and as a doctor, we need to be educated. Um, our decision makers and policymakers in criminal justice and politics need to be educated because they're making decisions that are framing the of millions of people's lives, right? Um, and, and so with understanding all that, I said, well, what am I going to do? So I first started off when I was thinking small years ago, I was, uh, working at a nonprofit shout out to brotherhood crusade in Los Angeles, doing wonderful work uh, in the community. And I was thinking to myself, well, you know, how, what am I going to do in this cannabis space? You know, I, I, I want to educate people. I have this story. I have this information. I have this experience. Um, and I want to do something. So I, I said, well, I'm, I'm, I'm going to write a book. 
So my first thought was I'm going to write a book. Slowly but surely, I was I realized like that's not substantial enough. That's not going to reach enough people. Um, and fast forward in time, I ended up bumping into uh, when the pandemic up, running into Brandon Chris, my CTO, um, and I shared this you know part of my story that I'm sharing here on this podcast. We had a conversation, and he was the missing piece that came to me and said, Hey, you know, this is a subscription-based education platform that we need to build. And this is how we access all of these demographics that you're talking about. And so the vision came about uh, Cannabis Media Collective is an education platform that is going to change the cannabis narrative by educating people on the science and the data that you and I are familiar with, but that the average citizen is unaware um, and, and needs to be aware. Um, and so, but on top of educating the consumers, I want my platform to be one of the preeminent cannabis education sites where you have access to all cannabis resources so that all of the doctors from all over the globe, from all continents uh, can come to Cannabis Media Collective, create educational content um, have it live on the platform and be a resource for everyone in the community. So when consumers, when professionals, when uh, industry leaders, politicians um, need access and information to, to data in this space, I, I want them to come to Cannabis Media Collective because I think we have an opportunity um, to expose critical information uh, that can be life-changing for millions of people. And not to mention, I also feel like um, it's my duty to bring as many people into this space as that I can. You know, I think that uh, you and I, if you look at where we are in this point in history, we are cannabis pioneers, right? We are the first of, of this time in history to enter in a legal cannabis market um, that for almost a century we've been under the, this darkness of prohibition. And so when people look back 50, 100 years from now, um, they're going to be able to see what work we've done, mm -hmm. right? And so I, I have created a platform that uh, I plan to live beyond my years. You know, like my mother always says, you have to plant seeds where trees will grow that you will not enjoy the shade, you know? And so this is, you know, my vision um, is for the next generation of, I like to call cannabis creators, because now we have a whole new industry that has been spawned um, when you talk about ancillary businesses, um, when you talk about cannabis accounting, cannabis taxes, uh, cannabis architecture, cannabis design, cannabis tech, um, all of these other sectors in the cannabis space are going to evolve and they're going to grow. Um, and people are going to need to learn on how to develop skills to adapt to how this market is going to grow. And so Cannabis Media Collective is going to be a platform and a source of information uh, for citizens all over the world. And, so, and, and that's what I'm building. Um, right. I, yeah. So no, I'm just going to say that um, I know there are people that when they listen to this, they're going to get excited and they'll, they're going to say, I want to get on that boat. I want to get in that raft. I right. want to be on that island. Um, 
to create this with Michael, how would they get in Absolutely. touch with you? You, you know, can you get the audience Absolutely. You can information? Get... Oh, no problem. At my pleasure. Uh, anyone can reach me at Michael at CannabisMediaCollective.com. So that's C-A-N-N-A-B-I-S-M-E-D-I-A-C-O-L-L-E-C-T-I-V-E.com. And uh, the platform is CannabisMediaCollective.com. So you can also go to the website, check us out, um, uh, log in, um, add your email and the contact information that we can reach out to you. You can also find us at Instagram at underscore CM Collective underscore. Uh, you can reach us there. And you can also reach us on our YouTube uh, channel, uh, Cannabis Media Collective. Okay. And, and are those also good contact um, um pieces for people that want to just talk with you about their experience that might be the same as your experience? Oh, mm -hmm. absolutely. A absolutely. People feel free to reach out to me. Um, like I said, Michael at CannabisMediaCollective.com. Uh, I'm personally looking uh, to recruit um, doctors, scientists, uh, cannabis professionals that have any particular skill set where they have data that's valuable that they want to share with the people. I want to create content with you. I want to interview you. Uh, I'm going to have you on, on my show, Dr. Brady, on the, get a, get a CMC interview with you. Cause I, I, I'd love to pick your brain and your experience and your journey. I wish we had more time. Um, but absolutely. Uh, I'm an open book. I love to share any information that I have, um, any time that I have, and, uh, most certainly looking to connect with all cannabis educators and cannabis creators out there looking to tell their story, have their story told. Uh, and develop some educational content for the people so that we can be enlightened on cannabis wellness. Absolutely. And, and I'd be more than happy to join you on um, whatever stage you're going to develop. If it's a podcast, if it's a panel, whatever you want to do, I'll, I'll be there. Just give me a, a heads up and um, I'll set things in motion to be there to, to, to assist you. And on that note, I want to really thank you for being so gracious with your time and the information that you've shared with the, the audience, uh, I'm sure that people are going to be, I'm going to use my own word, enlightened by the experience that you have gone through and by what you're doing now in the space. Um, as you mentioned, I'll use your word, uh, pioneer in the cannabis uh, education space. I think that's tremendous. And once again, I want to thank you for uh, being with us. No, I, I want to thank you for the invitation. Um, this is very special uh, to have to be blessed with the opportunity to share my story. Um, you know, if, if if it affects one person, you know, we're we're doing a great job. Um, yeah, and and I just thank you for 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 your time as well. And uh, I, I look forward to coming back because there was a lot to unpack in a short period of time. And so I look forward to, to hearing what your listeners have to say. And I look forward to coming back and, and having, having another conversation. Well, I'm going to take that to mean you are, uh, you're going to give your time in the future. Once you get your organization going, come back and tell us what has happened as a result of this podcast and what you're doing uh, in general in your collective. Thank you very much. Absolutely. If you'd like to hear more Cannabis Enlightened with Dr. Leroy, be sure to visit us online at CannabisEnlightened.com and subscribe wherever you download your podcasts. 
Cannabis Enlightened is produced in San Diego, California, and presented by March and Ash at marchandash.com. On behalf of Dr. Leroy, I'm Chris Cantori, and thank you for listening.